that this is just go with always that. remember <clears throat> the mod podcast and now your hosts all right well officially ladies and gentlemen without further ado and many tries welcome back to the mod state mm. podcast mm. um you know we from from a week ago we were pre-casting this uh, probably two weeks ago we were talking about what are we going to talk about next and i think i was fully prepared to have a discussion about inflation the fed um which we will we will i we will just but, maybe not tonight folks but i was fully prepared to have this type of conversation um biden's poll numbers the midterms and here we are. I, I would at least like to sort of point out, I mean, I, we would be disingenuous to say we, we didn't bring, we didn't consider the Russia angle last week or the week before, but it was just, I mean, I said I didn't think it would happen, and it did. Nate, you and I have been considering the Russian angle since you and I, we met summer 2011. Okay, uh, that's that's been a t- an off again, on and off again topic of conversation. Whenever we have talked foreign policy, well, which we started to around that time, yeah. But even I said to what two weeks ago, fifty fifty. Okay, sure, he takes a slice of it and then goes home. Neither of us, yeah. no, nobody saw this. And uh, a live I, stream war. Yeah, and I think uh, this will largely dominate what we will talk about tonight on this episode and our thoughts on what has happened and both what little, has happened. <laughs> well, we'll get to it, but definitely what is going on domestically in America um, and how that translates in some ways to uh, the sentiment abroad, but then in the, but then just the geopolitics of what's going on uh, to, to the extent that I am even uh, worthy talking about, but I think I think it'll be good conversation. We've had some lively conversation uh, leading up to this, so um, some of it rather rather spirit, <laughs> rather spirit. indeed. But as always, from wherever you are listening to the Mod State podcast, especially those who may be listening in places under a little bit more stress, please, we appreciate it. We please ask you to reach out in any way. Uh, we may be able to help. We'd be willing. So, a different sentiment here tonight versus a couple days ago and even last week. And I'm, I'm almost at a loss. Like, I mean, so much of what so much of what we began this every every conversation we had when we first started hanging out revolved around geopolitics or like how sort of the chest, the, the chest, the chess board of the world at the time. And that was different, you know, 5,000 years ago, 2000 like years ago, like go now, uh, a, a, a little bit different, but so the, the song remains the same. Absolutely. 
putting it into words, something that we thought more of a fantasy, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's a it's a good way to describe it. And um, I think back to you know 2014 when Putin did annex Crimea, and I guess I guess I think of that period of time, and, and actually we had been hanging out at this time, so it we would have talked about this, but I don't actually remember us talking about this in I, great I was depth. in 29 bombs in 2014. Yeah, so maybe that's why I think we had less conversation about that. Um, however, it doesn't, you know, whether Putin took Crimea before this or not, I, I don't think it necessarily surprises a lot of people, but it's just a crazy tactic. It's, it, it really this is a bit different. <laughs> it, it, we're seeing we're seeing a war actually live stream. There, there. You're absolutely right, dude. Unprecedented. That, think about it. And they have a. And I'm just going to frame it this way: a president who, um, really is is became known because of the entertainment complex, and has actually decided to take a stand on on an issue. Wield that perhaps as a force for good, as opposed to self-aggrandizement. Just wanted to make that note. Yeah, I mean, Zelensky has really—he's <laughs> really captured, I think, the hearts and minds of of millions of people across. Not the world. my heart, Nate. Don't romanticize my feelings here, but definitely he's occupied a lot of my thoughts. Well. I'm I'm not going to I'm I'm certainly going to stand character. I'm going to stand by that um for for a large portion of the population of the world but I think it's it's just an example of standing by some principles however you feel about Ukraine or the politics of Ukraine or the bureaucracy of Ukraine but it's nothing personal just not a help for me personally <laughs> fair enough um that's how you feel it just I work in the utmost. I find common cause in, in being willing to, as we discussed before this very podcast, I find common cause with them, though, in believing in their country enough and its survival. We're not talking about them wanting to be aggressors and no matter what's coming out of the Kremlin. We're talking about them existentially wanting to make it. And their former president and their current president in the streets with weapons, handing out automatic weapons, the ish ordering, rather, I don't know if they personally handed it out, had automatic weapons handed out to the citizenry that have been training with them, forbade yeah. males 18 to 60 from leaving the country. This is about actually having a tomorrow as a nation. That's something that, that we only, we stream on Netflix. Well, now you, you have the opportunity if you want. Now, I'm not watching the bloody mess because I know how it ends if it continues. But you and I have seen the, the products of that. Real close and personal in Bethesda. But for the world, they have an opportunity to see. Um, all is not gold that glitters, but these people are willing to die for what they believe in for their country. And I wish we had half of that kind of love for our country. Yeah, I think you, you bring up a couple good points, but most importantly is that idea of this like live streaming, live streaming war. And I, it, it's horrific right and it brings a lot of anxiety but it actually there, there's no I, I, you, obviously there's room for misinformation and propaganda 
is a hot topic. And I think. Sure. But, but a but live I, feed doesn't but, lie any more than it, it did on the 6th of January. Exactly. So there, there's a lot of truth that can be gleaned oh, from these sort of live year. stream and other social media platforms showing videos. And it, it brings the world in to experience it in a way, experience war or chaos in a way that has never really been witnessed as a medium, right? So like think about maybe, this isn't Hollywood. Maybe the Vietnam War would have been the first time that That's the closest that the average, you know, home could sit down after dinner and tune into the atrocities of war in Vietnam. Well now and that brought people close. That that gave people an opinion on war. And now right the the you could you could now everyone could bear witness of it and they could be a part of it or they could hate it or they could honor it. And or it could be just look it just go go on this simple statement the president of Ukraine said and perhaps I paraphrase but he more or less said we we want the world to watch us get murdered. That was the idea of it. Yeah. If, if you're going to do this to us on our homeland that you have no right to whether we both have roots in Canada and Rus or not you have no right to us. If you're going to do this then everybody's going to see it. And I mean, I suppose that's their right. Yeah, damn well is. Uh, pretty, pretty tough to watch. I'm not watching it. I saw, I saw enough of the pictures early on. I went, nope, I get the idea. It's pretty rough. I wonder, with even some of the stories that are coming out of this, you know, if, if we're around in 2,000 years, how some of these, even though they're a, a a blip in the history spec- spectrum and shouldn't be overlooked. Like how some of these legends who have been captured by this new medium and how we witness war will be portrayed as, as legends, right? As you know, this, the parable or the story of some of these people who we witnessed in real time, do very heroic things. That, and that, that we played at the intro to me, I told you again, before the podcast, I told you in my mind, that is, in our lifetimes, that is on par with the gentleman who kept stepping in front of the tank in Tiananmen Square in that same time frame in which that awful event happened. I believe it was 1989. But it, it, it resonated around the world. I want that poster so badly. But that's kind of, to me, what it's up there with. I mean, yeah, internationally speaking. You know, I... I seeing like the solidarity for Ukraine across the world um, where I work is a, it's a very wonderfully um, diverse place. And I have a a number of individuals that I have close connections with that have uh, family or have lived through um, the war in like Yugoslavia, Bosnia and Serbia. And then also, uh, Ukrainian and Russian and Uzbeki uh, individuals that I'm, I have close contact with, and it's it's just the idea of knowing that, that there's so many people that I have I have close connection with that have a lot of um, like personal. There's a lot of uh, investment in this right now. It's just it's interesting to to see the reaction to it and it's almost universal right 
and it just goes to show you how isolated and what small core group of people have made decisions to do such a horrific thing. And it's, it's just crazy. It's egotistical <laughs> and it's, it'll, it'll devastate a generation, right? I don't know. It's, it's just, it's mesmerizing to me. And from a, from a macro perspective, I, I agree. It's, it's interesting to look at and it, what fascinates me the most, I suppose, is his hubris. And you've surrounded yourself sure. with yes men, people that are probably afraid of you and the oligarchs you, you, uh, you speak for. But your hubris was that great that you thought that they would welcome you with open arms, that there would be little resistance. You were naive enough to draw any kind of clue from the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. That's got nothing to do with the price of grapes in I mean, China. Do you, do, you think they, do you think he really thought I think that, that's what that, he... That they would bow down that easily? That, that, I think that he thought there's enough people there that if Russian's not their primary language, it, they know it, and they remember that... Okay, he's remembering the glory years of being on the top end of that food chain towards the end. For sure. The people, the population writ large is a body politic. Yeah, they're remembering those years, Vlad. They're remembering how crappy they were. Okay, not everybody was living so good back then, Mr. Putin. So they're not really willing to trade that. They're not really willing to have it. What model is Russia to follow for anything decent at this point? I, they don't want that for their country. Well, I mean, they certainly don't want, I think, well, it's, it's not actually easy to pull a country <laughs> that is an authoritarian dictatorship country. However, well, yeah, that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. However, I, I, um, from what information, really from what, from what information that's coming from media outlets, it, the sentiment in Russia isn't exactly, it's, it's not exactly this campaign super popular. So that begs the question, like, what is the goal here? And I think you said it best. It's like, it's obviously to recapture this glory of the Soviet Union. Which he says the collapse, he says the collapse of the Soviet Union was the worst geopolitical event of the 20th century, not the Holocaust. However, from that's his, a worldview. Yeah, right exactly. Here. It's a crazy worldview. And it's his, it, I mean, it's, it's crazy when you, you see someone in the news that, ha, that wields that much power and you're like, does this guy actually believe that? You're a real person. Holy crap. Like, how do you, how do you rationalize made up in a novel as, as President Trump did? So it's, it's just, it's an insane character. And yeah, I guess, I mean, the, yeah, the, the initial military incursion, invasion into Ukraine seemed to me off the bat like an awful small force. But when the initial announcement to, that they were going to push into the what they declared the some independent regions where there were in, Nazis. Indi, indi, independent states where there were Nazis. Um, I said, like, okay. To, to me, I was like, well, that seems a lot like a logical. If if it, it seemed like that was the logical move that they would have made, but then all of a sudden, this one hundred and fifty thousand strong force 
occupied a, or it's really started. Um, it just kind of started oozing across the border. It wasn't like this. Yeah, it there was there. It felt like there was nothing coordinated about it. There I was, was there shocked was, by there the was lack no, of awe that I had for the campaign. There was no military genius to it that I expected from some sort of horrible Star Wars Joseph Campbell enemy. I mean, for all intent and purpose, the, the the Ukrainian resistance has been impressive. The entire fighting force, eight, you said 18 to 16, has a weapon. There are... 18 to 60 men have not been allowed to leave the country. There are men and women, and even children in some cases, preparing to defend their homeland. Molotov cocktails, AK-47. We interviewed this group of children. We're talking four and five-year-olds to sit down. We know they'll kill us all. It's like... I know, I saw that. It's heartbreaking. Holy crap. It's like, okay, these are like... Are they even in kindergarten yet? Yeah. Well, see, that's, that's the thing, too. From a, from a play, as a veteran of someone playing Civilization or Risk or something, I almost, from a, a military perspective, feel bad at the, for the, uh, the rather flaccid offensive I see here coming from this great wannabe power. They, they, they want to still be in the top tier. They're not the U.S. or China by any mile stretch of the imagination in either direction. They want to be, but they're not. And this offensive, I mean, I thought you were going to roll over these guys. That and the citizenry was going to come out and embrace you, throwing roses before your tanks. I mean, what happened? I mean, this this rather, I mean, think about this. Not, well, not if to the mention. United States was, if the United States military was determined to roll into and crush a Ukraine, a power on that level, if you will, that would be done in less than 36 hours, what they're still trying to do. That damn bridge, for God's sake. You got what you wanted in Chechnya quicker. What's, what's the holdup? I mean, so you do. So it sounds like you do kind of chalk it up to like a huge miscalculation, or maybe there's just a lack of will because it's not exactly. I'll go saying, like, I don't know. I imagine the sentiment. If I didn't look at any poll, polls, like a poll, not a, from someone from Poland. Yeah, speak, speaking with, speaking I would, of which, I would, not Poland, I, if you are in Russia or Kazakhstan or we've had listeners in the border, the 38th parallel, places like that, be careful how, if you choose to send this feedback, you do so. And I'm going to leave it at that, but be smart adults about that for your own sake. Fair enough. So the polls tend to show that the Russian population isn't exactly uh, behind this campaign. So there's also that to contend with. 3,000 or so people thrown in jail for anti-war protests thus far? Yeah. And it's, it's all over. Not to mention the European solidarity, um, even to the point of, of sports, right? Where uh, there was a... Poland for- refused for- to play Russia in the there, World Cup playoff. There's, yep, there's a Formula One race. Uh, that one of the league contenders backed out of. So um, what does that mean, though? Does Russia automatically qualify? Do they automatically beat Poland then? I don't in the know. World Cup playoff? I don't know, man. This is all so weird. Well, that Well, think about it. We didn't have the World Cup during World War II. It was the only two times the, game, the tournament's not been played. So we're kind of in uncharted territory here. Sure. But 
I certainly don't categorize this as World War Three. I don't want to go no. there. No, 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 I, I was referring to soccer. Sure. What I said. Well, I know, but precedent, right? So, yeah. But here we are. I don't. I don't think <clears throat> at this point there isn't one analysis that I've read that has said, "Well, look, there's a huge strategic gain in X, Y, and Z. There's a huge. There's a huge footprint that." Putin. Like, how is this a win for yeah, Russia like, geopolitically? Exactly. Like, hey, this is this really makes sense, and that's what I mean. This dog has a group of yesmen who, truth be told, are probably terrified did him you, because they did. You see his? I think it was the intelligent czar or like whatever they call the, but his intelligence chief just stammer through his assessment to Putin. No, just but I didn't yes, see yes, manning himself into it was it was pathetic. I saw I did see what a member of their parliament said, which I'm thinking you better have somebody tasting your food, bud. Where he said this needed to stop on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He's a member of Russia's parliament, which I'm taking it as more or less a, a kangaroo court. So I, I would be careful about starting my own car if I was perhaps in his camp. Maybe. I mean, do you put anything past this dog? No, I mean, obviously if not. If he thought I was a threat, he would try and he would try and find a way. I'm sure. I mean, he said you, you never leave the KGB. Well, okay, there you go. I mean, they got rid of the terrorists in that school in Chechnya. They also got rid of the school children. That's the kind of people they are that are in power. I mean, not Russians personally. I want to make that distinction. Of course. No, okay. There was a, a, someone from Belarus who was in my in one seven with me when I was stationed in 29 Palms. Funny guy. Dark. Of course, he, uh, he had this concoction in the barracks at one point. that was champagne with vodka, some sort of awful orange liqueur with Sunny Delight in there, and then Fresca. Interesting concoction. And he handed it to me. He was like, here, Doc, I call it orange juice for assholes. And so... He was kind of dark, but I wanted to make that distinction that I, I don't have anything personally against, against the Russian people. I just think your government is all mixed up in the head. That's the nicest way I can put that. Yeah, that's, that's speaking highly of them. You know, I, there's a couple of interesting things also geopolitically that have happened out of this as well. So the basically the nato qrf or the quick uh, the the rapid response force of nato has been activated for the first time ever and it's it's certainly interesting to see i think there so again i i came to this podcast fully prepared to talk about how i thought biden was missing the mark the democrats were missing the mark on a lot of messaging and stuff like that given inflation, et cetera, and how we're transitioning from a, how we're transitioning from a, a chance to get away from all that. I know, but how we were transitioning from the pandemic into the sort of endemic phase. And then this happened, but never a dull moment. You're right. But what I want to say is that I, I, I think I need to give credit where credit's due in terms of how the Biden administration handled the transparency of the intelligence and their push to just be 
out ahead of what they knew Russia was going to do and their relentless discussion about the unity of EU and NATO, right? Because there was a point through this where everyone was like, okay, again, again, again today, it's imminent. Again today, it's imminent. But they stuck to their guns. They stuck to their guns, and they delivered a pretty damn near perfect assessment of what was happening, even though some of their predictions were delayed. But really, can you say they were delayed when they really came true? I'm more or less inclined to agree uh, as far as the information warfare at at this point has, to me, paid off in terms as a a tactic. The one thing that I would not have said, and I already telegraphed this to you in prior conversation, whether you thought this or not as the commander-in-chief, I wouldn't have taken out the deployment of our troops. I wouldn't have taken that off the table right away. I get it. Maybe even Vladimir Putin already assumed that, knew that. I wouldn't have said that. I think that was a miscalculation. That's my personal opinion. But overall, yes. I, I, from my, for whatever it's worth, I do give the administration high marks in that the, if you think about it, the information warfare was high risk, high reward, because even if, and looking at it in hindsight, clearly it was valid. But even if in the midst of the strategy before the invasion, even if you're intel that you're leaking, you in the UK specifically, are leaking selectively to the public. Obviously, we get it. There's more. But you're leaking enough. You're making a point with us. What if the invasion still hadn't occurred? Your, credi- that your credibility starts to get affected. So it was, a, it was a roll of the dice. But in this case, high risk, high reward in terms of how that panned out. They were right. So, yeah, they, they were right. I mean, yes, you're right. But tactically, I think Putin knew what he was going to do. I think odds were he knew because of their, their uh, position in NATO <clears throat> or their application to NATO, rather. I understand. Um, he knew. I'm just saying, me personally, if, if, I, sure. if, if, President, if I President Biden, for whatever reason, phoned me up and said, hey, what do you think? I would say, sir, and he rattled off his priorities to me, pre-invasion. I would say, sir, I like a lot of this, except for this point. He may already know that. Don't say that. Take that out of your, your talking yeah, points. Your, yeah, still continue to use it as potential leverage. Right. Yeah. That's my only, that's my, and that's, a, that's equivalent at this point, because it's, as of right now, not our fight. But I will say it is a... Not a NATO member, it's let's a, remember that. It's a history, it's a moment in history in terms of geopolitics and how, how every country you'll see it, every country has sort of a response. Even richly, the Taliban had messaging on the resolution of peace through diplomacy and China has sort of taken a neutral stance because they've got so many hands in the cookie jar everywhere. I mean, it's, it's more or less our fault is kind of how their foreign minister painted it, but there's only so far, obviously, they're willing to go to back this sort of thyroid because, I mean, it's, it's not a good look for them. Yeah. To be associated with that sort of behavior, yeah. The, yeah. the only way I, I see this escalate, I mean, the crazy hypothetical is if Vlad wants to go full Soviet and says, we're not, st- not going to stop marching until we get to central Berlin. Because that's how, it was, what, the Warsaw Pact, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Or am I misremembering? 
regardless. That was the original agreement post-World War II. If he got that nutty, I could see us getting involved, perhaps. Yeah. Well, again, With that. Yeah, again, I, I do, as much as we're talking about we love talking about this stuff, but in real time, it seems almost, as we're talking about it, it seems kind of weird to me. But, and it almost makes me really feel like I need to do the next part and just highlight some of the, the things that I think has brought a little bit of unity in the world for horrific reasons. But to see really principled, heroic, acts by people that like you said again live streamed just you it's almost in real time if not an hour ago or two hours ago you witnessed just a heroic act for people just to protect their home and it just made me pause and think about looking out my window and going wow would i be willing to like what would i be willing to fight for um, so it's just that that's sort of my like moment of reflection on this entire thing. And just like, I, otherwise I just almost feel helpless. No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's important to acknowledge, especially because I, it definitely, they are fighting a heroic fight. It's a very lonely, lonely one. I'm sure at this point, I mean, shipments of supply through the mail, it's, uh, then keep a girl warm at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly a kind of a crazy moment in history, but I also think something we've talked about, what the last, like two times we've talked as we've been leading up to this is also what's going on here in America. And I think I, I, I just think a lot of people are in utter shock. I mean, even, like I said, some people that I work with that went through some horrific wars and civil wars are rehashing a lot of weird memories right now. And I, like, sure. I genuinely feel for them. It's like, holy crap, I can't, I can't believe that we were the same age at this year and you were going through that. And I was, you know, in, in third grade and you were, right. and, and you were seeing dead bodies. Like that, that's just crazy. No, I mean we're we're young once, and that that kind of memory is going to yeah. be indelible. And and I was uh, my thought was, of course, of course, this would totally rehash that because everyone's on social media. It's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. You've Reddit, been here for thirty years. Discord. You cannot miss it, and I think it's important. But I do feel for those people who have, are rehashing a lot of memories right now that they they really repressed. So. But here in America, I think because I've just I feel like I haven't had a chance to try to understand what's going on, it is very clear that I think the overwhelming majority of Americans are, are fairly tuned in to what's going on or are acutely aware of what's going on. I, I know a lot of Americans aren't involved in politics domestically, but this certainly is a big deal. It dominates everything um and there's a lot of genuine empathy sympathy and and uh and thoughts 
that are going out to the Ukrainian people. But then there's another little piece of the American population, and I wish I could confidently say little or small amount. Maybe it's a little bit of a larger amount that I'd like. Group of Americans that really can't make up their mind about where they align on this. Because maybe the, the best, two, I'm going to frame it this way. For okay, you. you're going to sure jump in and frame it. And the protagonists are. They, they, they're not entirely sure if they had to fill out the, 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 the playbill here. They couldn't tell you who the antagonists and the protagonists are within reason. I think that's fair to say. There's some people confused about that right now. There's some people that need to, to take a good, long, hard look in the mirror and have a Joshua moment and choose you this day. Like, what, what side are you on? Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't know that answer to that question. That's, that's kind of crazy. I, well, let's get crazy. Let's get weird. Let's get crazy. Let's get weird. Why don't, you, why don't you tell us? I know you're just dying to, to tell it. Like, what in God's holy name are you blathering about? Here's the thing, John. The conversation, the conversation we had before this, I, I had a... I had a uh, I had a moment of clarity and I realized that I was going pretty hard in the paint in our last conversation. And now's not the time to make a lot of connections between um, uh, between some of the things that I wanted to make connections with. But what I will say is that there's an, infor- maybe I'll tee it up this way. I mean, hashtag culture wars, Nate, come on, <laughs> yeah. step so, up and take your pony. <laughs> there, there was a recent poll that came out that showed that there were, in a poll, there were more Republicans that f- basically felt like Putin was a stronger leader than Biden, or they, which was sort of insinuating that they really prefer Putin's style of leadership over Biden. They felt like Biden was a weaker president. And it just goes to show that there's a huge chunk of the voting block, which, again, you have to break that down in terms of the it's entire... It's an opaque statement, though. Like, how do you phrase that poll question? And I'm not trying to be contrarian here, but I'm asking you know, like, genuinely from a political science perspective, of which I'm not a political scientist, but how is that question phrased? I mean, what does stronger mean? Like, more willing to kill people? Well, that's probably true. But I'm assuming that's not how it was phrased. Well... Again, however you want to, t- however you want to take that, uh, take that for what you will. I just, I'm just curious. Like, how does? Well, was it framed as? Do you think he's a better leader? Is that what they were driving at? I mean, that's my takeaway from it. Okay, but, I'm just, but, I'm not. But again, being contrarian by any means, I try not to to formulate too many opinions on here. But <laughs> okay, there certainly, there certainly is at least the the mainstream sort of right wing talk. Uh at the moment that really is unsure their stance on it, I suppose. And again, I don't think this is, this is uh, even, even Trump himself in a way praising strong men. I just, it seems just even from a neutral perspective, seems weird that an ex president would take stances like that. Again, I haven't lived under too many former presidents. I mean, Bush, he didn't Clinton, say that he was doing the right thing. He just more or less called him a genius, right? Yeah, but again, 
when we're remember how you're like, hey, President Biden, let me be your strategist here. Don't put your, you know, don't put oh, all I would the, totally don't, Biden not yeah, to say that. Don't 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 put all your eggs in one basket. How about just an advisor in decency and diplomacy as a former president? Like, dude can grift all day long. He's gonna do that no matter what. Fine, but, but maybe but, just don't offer comment on this. Yeah, but hey, Mr. President, don't just from a like a world stability standpoint, just maybe not weigh in on this. Let's sit this one out. However, I don't think that just goes to show you how much he does not care. Well, I don't think uh, he's another person. Now, I'm not comparing Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, okay, when I say this, but I do think that in this sense, uh, that Mr. Trump is akin to him because I, I think he probably has people around him that are afraid of getting fired, not afraid of getting shot, but they don't want to lose their jobs. They don't want to piss him off. And so they're not honest with him and saying, look, no, that's a bad idea. If you are going to weigh in on this, then you, you weigh in on, the, on democratic values, you know, defending another uh, quasi-federal republic whatever, freedom, however you want to phrase it. But don't, this is not the time to talk about, I mean, this is not the time to talk about he's a, a tactical genius or whatever. That's, that's situational awareness, sir. You need it in this moment. That's poor taste. Now, I'm not yeah. sure how folks are confused about that. Well, I, I certainly think that council has not been, it, maybe it's there, but it certainly hasn't come, come forward and, Maybe it's, I guess my question was always like, is this something that they all truly believe or how does it, what, what's the strategy here? If, if, unless it just is, that's just how they feel. So from a, from a chess move perspective, it's like, what, what is this? And the right wing media, whether, who knows if they actually believe anything they're saying, because they clearly didn't after one six, when their narrative changed completely, which is evident. From, from that investigation, you know? Uh, we've never been at war with East Asia. We've always been at war with Eurasia. It's that, it's that sort of 1984 mentality. It feels a bit like our own variant of 2 plus 2 equals 5 at times. At least ours is not administrated by the state at this point. Yeah, well. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's crazy. I mean, obviously, even further, we could, we could tie this back into uh, the economy because <laughs> war always unnecessarily leads to uh, supply chain disruption. Um, which we need right now. Which, again, is, is, is not minimizing anyone's suffering. It's just... It, it's the whole act is so unnecessary that yeah, in the worst supply chain <laughs> supply chain logistical crisis uh, in of our lifetimes of our lifetimes, this adds fuel to the fire. Not to mention energy resource allocation. Um, I think obviously the 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 Russia uh, um, energy um, partnership with with um, Europe, namely Germany, um, had been shut down, which I think was really super important position to take. But it's it's an amazing moment for Europe to, in the EU rather to really step up and 
double down an investment on renewable resources as a as a defiant long term posture against Russia. Like if you really want to do damage, if you really want to create that independence and not rely on that energy from Russia, then you start putting in things in place right now in terms of goals and renewable resource goals that you know that stuff's not the conversation the European Union needs to have yesterday. Yes, but you you see my point where it's like, how do you do the little things now that show solidarity in a way that shows Putin, hey, look, what who knows if what your short term and long term goals are here, but because of what you're doing, we're going to we're gonna double down on you know our projects for becoming energy independent and we don't need you because you're doing this. Like I think that sends a message. It's maybe subtle Or does it lead to war? Well what I think it's Does it it's, become existential for them at that point? I think it's more of a deterrent tactic, obviously. Where it's like, listen, whatever leverage you're trying to achieve by withholding energy, etc., we can create solidarity among us to figure that out and weather the storm and set the groundwork for um, energy independence. I just think it might go a long way. Who knows? I'm not a marketing major, and I'm certainly not a uh, a brand developer, but that seems like an interesting long-term strategy. There's not a whole lot of amazing long-term strategies that I, I see with Putin, and I think he's alluded to a couple like nuclear war. Hey, um, he's got this fantasy of a return to the Soviet Union. Yeah. I mean, That's, this doesn't this go back to... Is that a plan? Does it, doesn't this go back to the locker room talks from almost close to 10 years ago? Yeah, from Bethesda 11 years ago. Where we did almost... 11 years ago this summer. Yeah, where we did talk about like mutual... Distri- yeah, because that Friedman book, the Stratfor yeah. Friedman. Yeah, we're talking like mutually assured destruction was almost a way to create consistency and good structure across the world, right? Where how does Pakistan and India have this face-off, this tense face-off all the time? But there's like another... The trouble is when nuclear weapons are off the table, how do you handle someone like a Vladimir Putin? But it seems like they're on the table. Nobody's talking about realistically using nukes here, though. I know he's referenced that opaquely, but... I mean, so how seriously do you take even the, the smallest threat of nuclear intervention? I mean... By, by Russia? Yeah. He's not, he's not suicidal. He doesn't want the annihilation of the Russian state. And obviously, mad, mutually assured destruction is a So is then, a, is, is it... <clears throat> yeah, so then, is this a a sign of like almost a Putin weakness, right? Like have we, are we actually witnessing Putin a little on edge, like making sort of weird decisions and, and having weird thoughts, right? Like he is reaching for a crazy intervention that he, I mean, he clearly understands mutually assured destruction, 
but he's going but he's but he's but he's talking and leveraging that this early like is that a sign of is that sign of kind of like a nervous putin i think i think it's a sign of being a bit on edge uh also in a backhanded way, perhaps saying, this is not that serious. Y'all don't need to get involved. This is not on that level. And that's what it would take for you guys to get involved, basically. I, it, it could be. I mean, obviously, he knows that a, a mass percentage of the U.S. arsenal alone is on the high seas. It's in U.S. naval submarines. So you're not going to hit that by firing on Konos. So he knows his own, his own state would be destroyed. So that's, I think that's a sign more of a, I think that's, as big of a mistake as saying you're not willing to commit troops to it, if not bigger. It kind of tells a bit appreh- apprehension, maybe anxiety. Say, I mean, for instance, I mean, you're, you're, you're basically way, Ukraine is punching way above their weight here. Everybody knows that. And you're going to say you hope you're being heard. Yeah, we see you whooping up on your, your small neighbor over there. Are you trying to prove yeah. we need to invade Mexico and do the same thing? Yeah, I mean it's and, interesting, and and obviously there's been a lot of discussion about like kind of like two, from a street perspective. Yeah, <clears throat> there's also discussion about um, places like Finland and some of the other uh, nations around there that, in in some cases, were part of the old Soviet Union. Finland wasn't even thinking about joining NATO. Well, now they are. Yeah, but also now weighing the consequences of, I mean, no matter what, so this right? This definitely decide <clears throat> yeah. which way they lean, how this turns out. For sure. However, they also are weighing at the same time the consequence of even just making that decision, right? All of the posturing. That's what I mean. It's, it's a crazy position to be in, but also listening to the threat. I mean, that was sort of the it's threat leverage, of Finland and Sweden. That's leverage for the Scandinavians, though, to say, look, you're not going to, what, are you going to conquer all of Eastern Europe by force with that economy? Who's who's footing that bill? I mean, they certainly wouldn't be able to, and that was what I I had listened to. Someone was bringing up an interesting point, because I don't want to take credit for it, that countries like Finland, it's not necessarily a a conquest-driven desire. It's more of an influence. They want to be a strong influence there. And I don't know exactly how you do that without sort of taking more of a colonial stance. Like, without everyone just, every, ass yeah, everyone just watch what happened in Ukraine. How is that going to somehow make Finland roll over and say, okay, yep, come on in, let's get a pro. Also, I don't want to under, I don't, I don't want to underestimate. The well, Colin, you're calling want, Ukraine yeah. your brothers before you invade them it's and crazy. their ass. I mean, what does that say to other people that you don't want to join the U.S. sphere of influence? If you look at yeah. this as all being manipulated by the Yanks, I mean, what is whipping Ukraine your brother's ass? What does that do for you here? Yeah, I don't, also don't want to underestimate the sort of craftiness and evilness of maybe Russia installing a pro-Russia government in places like Finland, like well, look, you don't really think he's going to leave Zelensky in power, do you? No, but you think of places. You like realize Zelensky. <laughs> let's go ahead and put this out there. The NSA is already look. Zelensky's a dead man. You understand this, yes? I hope not. Well, okay, Nate. I hope a lot of things. 
Okay, I had hoped Sean Payton wouldn't retire, but he did. Okay, so with that, I this guy, I mean, the current and former president are in the street with automatic weapons. So is the mayor. But, okay, probably the dog catcher is too. All right, I mean, I wish them the best, but that's not a real, their insurance rates are going to go up if they make it. I'm going to put it that way. This is this is high risk behavior. Yeah. What what else do they do though? I I'm not condemning it. It's admirable. I get it. But they're dead. They're at this point. If you're Vladimir Putin, why do you keep them alive? Why would you want to be taken alive if you're Zelensky and company? To be oh to be treated uh, fairly as POWs by the Russians? Okay. I mean, there's your joke of the night. Now let's let's appeal to the Russian sense of the Russian government's sense of decency here. <laughs> I mean, I feel yeah. for him, man. <clears throat> I mean, in a way, I think whether like I don't I don't necessarily I don't know that anyone knows what like success looks like here for, for Putin. I don't. I mean, obviously, I think he is. At has, this he, point, they may well, be wondering I mean, about an exit strategy. How do they well, get but, out of this without looking like they lost? Well, that's that's the thing, man. Like, I, who knows? Maybe someone in that circle is thinking, "Okay, hold on. This is this totally didn't go to plan." If that this was their plan, I imagine their plan involves more firepower at some point. But why wouldn't you do that first? That's what's crazy. But at some point, someone has to be thinking about what an exit strategy looks like if this doesn't work. How do you swing this? Sort of I like, mean, you think sir, there are way too many cameras on this. You need to end this one way or the other now. Drop so, an ICBM over the atmosphere. However it's done, take out their grid, whatever you got to do. But you, we got to stop this multimedia feed if you're going to continue this invasion. Yeah, because... This is not a good luck. The longer you go with this, the worse it's going to look. It's not going to go away. And if you back out of this, you look like an abject failure. Which right, and is he does clear, need the backing which, of the oligarchs. I mean, so you, you know, if you go too far, then you run the risk of becoming the next hermit kingdom, where nobody will trade with you. I mean, okay, the, the Chinese do a little bit of trade with the North Koreans. Do you really want to be in that? You're wanting to be an elite. Well, that's not the path. So what's, what's your answer? You're not going to hold the world hostage with Kiev. You're holding yourself hostage. Really? This legacy. So, I mean, what's, to me, I don't see any way Putin can turn down the volume and come out of this looking like a winner. I think it escalates. That's my personal call. This now, never, never discount the great equalizer that is the human ego. Yeah. I don't see another path here except for onward for the Russian government at this point. Yeah, I think it's sort of, uh, they've made their bed, huh? Well, at this point, I mean, you're committed. You, yeah. You've crossed the Rubicon, if you will. Yeah. I mean, you're in there now. I mean, any type of display of mercy is going to look like weakness. I mean, after saying they were your brothers and you weren't going to bomb civilian areas, we got, <laughs> sure looks like somebody might have, uh, Maybe accidentally so, firing a rocket or two at some apartment complexes. What about like, I got I saw pictures of dead yeah, kids. I mean, what, yeah. is that made up? What about a 
the potential for like a plan C where this is just the downfall of the regime or does everyone feel like, cause those conversations have to be happening. You get one shot at that dude. Well, my point is there's gotta be a team somewhere or teams somewhere thinking about that alternative where the regime actually just implodes because there is because there isn't that much support. Who knows? I don't I'm not saying how it would happen, but there right. would be a coup or where maybe there's enough oligarchs make it happen, they capitulate with outside forces. You got to think those guys are jet setters. They're all over the place. They've got networks everywhere. Wouldn't take, yeah, they own team. They own Premier League teams yep, in England. Exactly. It wouldn't actually take that much effort to get a face. Who needs them? It it wouldn't take that much to get a face to face as a foreign government to sit down with one of those guys. And those guys There's are be one out those, of those. What is it? Like yeah. twelve of the big ones. Th- those guys. One. Those guys also aren't sitting in Russia right now. They're all over the world. That's what so I mean. I, I one mean, flight. Premier League team owners like Ibrahimovic of Chelsea. Yep. I'm not saying he's one of the 12, but point being, they're abroad. I don't think they want their lifestyles affected by this. First of all, it comes down to selfishness. Well, we also, we also are assuming that, I mean, clearly There's, they are absolutely selfish. But There's going to be at least one of those, though, Nate, that yeah. thinks this is a bad idea, that this has gone too far. And I venture to guess there's probably – more than one or two that think this is a really bad idea. I was supposed to 12 that hold the most sway. Did you see Putin's little presser to them? It was way less cool than the whole weird thing with all of his cabinet members being yes men to him. Him trying to explain it to the oligarchs and the diplomats and the politicians was super squirrely. Uh, again, I might have been reading captions that were complete BS, but it came from an accredited news site. But it, it definitely seems squirrelier than his even rambling speech on denazification and all that BS. It, it was just weird to see what we've always considered. That, so they're that stoic, in an unfortunate comedic way, almost see that guy like writing shirtless on a, on a, He's done like a, that on like a horse. He like, has. You haven't seen which, this propaganda? Yes, photos? which is like a cultural meme. It's self caricature. It really is. I mean, the onion has got to be out of business by now. Yeah. After after President Trump, now President Putin. How do you do satire anymore with these two? I don't know. Well, as as we're getting to an hour, I think obviously there are other things going on. And I'm not saying that we're, it, it should, I mean, we spent an hour talking about this, but there are other forces at, at play here as well. Um, there, I mean, broadly, we are leaving the, I think, the awful pandemic phase of this um, last two years of COVID and turning into more of an endemic where we're just going to learn to live with this. And every six months, the CDC will recommend whether or not uh, there's a booster ready. And in some cases, recommending uh, cities and, and counties that reach a certain threshold of COVID cases to mandate indoor masking. But again, we'll sort of learn to live with this. But also that's helpful when the virus itself isn't as lethal. And there's more immunity. 
So we're going to see some more travel. We're going to see uh, a World Cup. A World Cup. <laughs> but also we're dealing with, I think, inflation to the point where the Fed really absolutely is going to have to put the brakes on things. And it's I think probably, uh, I think probably five percent increase. Probably, it, it very well could be point five. I was going to say because there's this for, I think like three or four months ago, the idea of saying point five increase was, was crazy. Now, all now of a sudden, not so much. It's not crazy at all. In fact, well, I think, just think about it. The real interest rate will still be negative, even with that. Okay, because inflation is is to is higher. We want to keep it normally right. Here's how they target what real economists consider real. What's the, you know, they want to keep it at 2% inflation. If the rates were at, point, at 0.25, inflation is at 2, you're getting, a, you're getting a negative interest rate, basically. Okay, well, increase that 0.5, it's no longer negative 1.75. So then how many, times, how many times? They could, raise, they could do it three times without really 0.35, 0.5. They could do that three times over the next year and not severely hamstring the economy. I mean, obviously, things would get a little more expensive than we've been used to in terms of borrowing. I and mean, we'll see, we'll see, borrowing uh, less. We will see uh, mortgage rates increase, which may, in effect, have a, a cooling off in this incredibly crazy housing market. Um, which never really cover, recovered to begin with. If we get down to the brass wow. tax, not, not as fully as we would have hoped since 2008. Also, it's going to get more expensive to finance that $30 trillion national debt, I might add. Not yeah. that anyone's counting. No, no one cares, John. Um, I know. And, but, but I mean, yes, I mean, it will, it will be just for the average American, things will be more expensive to finance, which is a big, which is a big deal. And which do you think will be more expensive by, say, July? A gallon of gas or a gallon of milk? Um, I, I'll take the safe bet and I'll say, I think a gallon of milk will continue to be more expensive than the average gallon of gasoline. Right. We're not talking about California, New York. We're talking about the aggregate average, the average, the national average. Yeah. You have to remember that Biden also released oil reserves to cool everything off. That stuff still potentially hasn't been released. Um, and I think maybe for a period of time, we'll continue to see steady prices. Although, you know, maybe I'm just wishfully thinking because I'm going to be traveling across the country in like a week. But yeah, I think it's interesting to think about and predict. Like I think how, it's 344 right now. Is that the average? The average for gallon, a gallon of gasoline. I say we see it go as high as four thirty on average. That'd be pretty expensive, but that's still also depends on, I guess, the average gallon of milk. Probably where I'm shopping, it's a little bit more. Three fifty nine for a gallon of milk. Average three fifty nine. I should have clarified the average or what kind of milk we were talking about. Well, I mean, okay, we're talking about just Brent crude, regular gallon. Your least refined gasoline versus, I, I don't know, we're not talking about Kroger here. We'll just go with Sam's Choice, whatever. But it's virtually, it's not that far apart, 15 cents. I mean, then you're probably right. Gas probably would, would 
would be more expensive on average, but would they raise rates particularly? Carton gas will be more. Also depends on yeah. So obviously interesting, sort of like the inverse relationship between um, people buying gold <laughs> and. Uh, well, I, I've always loved that. You know, I, I thought about this once. If I well-meaning gentlemen said need to invest in gold, and uh, in case of times of you know nigh apocalyptic type things, and I looked at him and I said, with all due respect, said sir, if it's down to that, then land, and guns, and people—that's what's going to matter. That gold's not going to buy you any more food than paper dollars. If things get that bad. Store shelves are empty, and the law of the land is virtually worthless. You know, some of these folks love the scheme of it. I like to leave it to the post-apocalyptic uh, tube viewing. But fair enough, fair enough. In any case, I don't think fifteen cents is much to quibble about at this point. I think by July we'll we'll see if things ceteris paribus, all else remaining constant, we'll have a. Summer spike in gasoline, probably a bit of an increase in milk, too. I'll continue consuming both. That's good. Albeit via different uh, methods of delivery, but hmm. still. Well, you have strong bones. Mm. Well, hey, man, I have been up since 3.50 in the morning, which probably no is excuse. why I'm apologizing for some of my rambling through the last hour. But um, we've had a ton of conversation. I'm glad we finally got this on, on, uh, on tape. But as always, wherever you are listening across the, the globe, uh, please, we, we want you to continue to tune in, and we are uh, forever grateful for your listenership um, and your comments at podomatic.com. Uh, and wherever you get your your podcast we try to we try, really try to to follow those comments but at podomatic uh, we appreciate you uh, folks that are have we, you followed those oh yeah certainly have certainly a ton of fun uh and <laughs> i do try to get in there and respond it's been so crazy uh i'm taking march off so i'm hoping to get a little bit more engaged um for for whoever's listening at one hour in two minutes uh, you truly are a huge fan. And so please go make comments at Podomatic and I will respond or just hit up at hit us up at modstate at modstate.com. Uh, give us your comments, concerns, criticisms. Uh, we appreciate it. So um, yeah, let's, let's get weird. Yeah, let's get weird. So uh, until next time, Au revoir. we'll see you.